Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Halitech Hall. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this. We appreciate you. We appreciate all the fans and the downloads and the support we've been getting. Uh, welcome, Mr. Halitech. Hey, good morning, Double A. It's uh, it's been a couple of days since we normally do our recordings. We're recording on a Sunday instead of our usual Thursdays due to some scheduling te- uh, difficulties. But uh, I wanted to give a shout out. I don't have the guy's name, but he actually on Twitter said uh, he really enjoys our podcast, and he's in London. So want to thank uh, thank that podcast listener for chiming in on our, our Twitter feed at Halitech Hall. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here again. We're going to talk about the uh, the Bears have a a vote going on to pick the best play and or game in Bears history. They've got it whittled down to four. We're going to go through all of those uh, on the show today, and, and then Double A and I are going to maybe pick a couple of our own personal favorites. So uh, sit back, enjoy, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage, and uh, just sit back and listen to some Bears history today. We'd like to thank, of course, our sponsor, TickSplits.com, every ticket, every venue, everywhere, and no service fees. So please remember to buy from TickSplits. Instead of wasting your money on StubHub or SeatGeek with those crazy service fees, and best of all, use promo code TAILGATE, that's all caps, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, and save an additional 5% on the already low cost at any tickets uh, available at TechSplits.com. So, double A, um, what do we got for today? What are we talking about? Uh, well, the Bears uh, put up, um, you know, a little thing about how, what are the greatest plays in Bears history. Um, so they chose uh, four of them. Um, we have the uh, 1940 NFL championship where the Bears uh, just trounced the Redskins 73 to nothing. Uh, and then in 1977, we have uh, one of the greatest runs in NFL history uh, where uh, Peyton uh, is against the Chiefs. Um, so that was a that's one of the greatest uh, runs, as I said, in NFL history. Obviously, in Bears history as well. Of course, the uh, 1985 uh, Super Bowl championship, uh, where the Bears destroyed the Patriots, and then uh, the the prelude to disappointment, unfortunately, <laughs> um, which uh, is of course Devin Hester running the opening kickoff of the Super Bowl in Miami. Um, against the Colts. Uh, so they have uh, whittled those down from obviously a, a great number of plays um, as, as some of the best uh, moments in bears history. Uh, so we figured uh, what better topic uh, for our show um, than to kind of go over some of those and then maybe pick a little bit of, uh, of some of our own uh, items or, or moments in our bears history as it were. So, We'll uh, kick off uh, with, uh, we're going to go in chronological order. Absolutely. So the the Bears uh, made it to the championship game in 1940. Uh, they finished with an 8-3 and three record, but they were the championships, uh, the champions of the Western Division in the NFL back in those days. Uh, they lost three games in the regular season. They lost, I believe, to the Chicago Cardinals. They lost to Detroit, and they lost their second game in a row at 
Washington three weeks prior to the championship game. Uh, they they only scored three points. They had a field goal. Washington won seven to nothing. There was some controversy uh, at the end of the game where Sid Luckman threw a touchdown right. To, it would have been right in Bill Osmanski's hands. And uh, there was a blatant, according to George Hallis, uh, pass interference that didn't get called. It was the last play of the game. And uh, the uh, Jack Brickhouse, the famous Bears and, and Cubs broadcaster, he did White Sox games too. He's on YouTube. If you can grab the clip, you got to go listen to it, where George Hallis is trying to run after the umpire after the game. And he made... He made a beeline for the for the dugout to, to get out of the off the field and, and George Hallis is saying I just couldn't catch him. So they made a point to uh, to remember that game and and after after the game was over the, the Washington Redskins head coach called the Bears a couple of things. At first they called them a bunch of crybabies. Uh, they called them they're just a first half team and. Uh, that kind of set up the Bears for for the championship game. So George Hallis is always uh, a, a mastermind at pregame pep talks. You think that Vince Lombardi is one of the greatest ones, but uh, Mr. Hallis had a way of his own as well. And he just reminded the, the ball players before the game on how their head coach called them a bunch of crybabies. So the Bears got the opening kickoff of the game. They ran one play off to the right and went for a few yards. Second play from scrimmage, Bill Osmanski took a ball, was supposed to go off tackle. He broke it around the left end and he ran that ball 68 yards. And if you've never seen the play, this play on YouTube, and you could find it on YouTube, uh, right towards the end of the run, about, about 40 yards out, one of their wide receivers takes out two Washington Redskins on a great block. And Osmanski went downfield the rest of the time. So second play from, from scrimmage, it's seven to nothing. And it just was an onslaught. I believe the bears were up 28 to nothing at halftime. And you think that was good, right? <laughs> yeah. So at halftime, George Hallis takes the, the team and says, now remember, these guys not only called us crybabies, but said we're only a first-half team. So the Bears proceeded to just go out and absolutely destroy Washington. The, uh, the Bears had scored so many times, and there were, there were so few footballs left that the, they actually had to tell, they being the officials, told the Bears to stop kicking extra points and run the ball after a touchdown. Back then, you could run the ball in as well from the two-yard line. Uh, it would still count as one point back in those days. So they actually had to tell the Bears to stop kicking extra points because they were running out of footballs. You didn't get them back back in those days. So that was kind of, that was, that was kind of, wild. Kind of comical. But uh, if you if you can, uh, we'll throw the link up on our Twitter page. Uh, you've got to, to check out the interviews um, with Osmanski and, and George Hallis about this championship game. It's absolutely incredible listening. So that was uh, 
you know, that was at the time and still today, it's the largest route in the history of a championship game uh, at, at any sorts uh, in NFL. 73 to nothing. Just an amazing, amazing finish. Yeah, it's funny, the, uh, the Bears and Redskins, uh, you know, have a historical rivalry, but it hasn't been much of one, you know, probably for, gosh, I don't know, 40 years or more of any real note. I mean, obviously there's been some moments, but, you know, you look at the Redskins and uh, it's just, uh, you know, we're, we're, I'm happy we're not them. <laughs> Let's put it that way with the way that our franchise is and the way their franchise is. You know, you go back, it's funny that you mentioned that there was there was uh, a time in the 70s where they were both terrible, and Washington came into Soldier Field and just throttled the Bears, and they went on to have some great seasons right after that, and the Bears went the other way until, of course, the, the mid-80s. But uh, you're, you're absolutely right. The Bears and the, the Washington Redskins have played... Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, it's, uh, the series is 26-23-1. and one. So uh, they've played each other 50 times. So 50 times, 26-23-1. For the Redskins, you know, that lead, this, lead this series. It's, um, you know, so it's it's been great. It used to be they would play back in the, back in the 40s. They'd just about play them every year, but... When the, the league expanded in the 60s, uh, in the in early 70s, of course, they went to, uh, they added uh, the AFL in the, in the merger in 19, was it 71 or 70? And, uh, and then they added a few more teams. Atlanta came in at that time, back in those days. Uh, and they went to more of a divisional play. So they concentrated more with the in the, the games. They had more games to play. They they went from 14 games. They went from 12 games to 14 games in the early 60s. They went from 14 games to 16 games after the 77 season. But because of the way schedules uh, have been since the since the that that 17 1978 season and divisions have realigned. We had three divisions in each conference up until 2001 and then they went to the four division format after the two after the 2001 year and they just don't play them as often as as they used to. They will play them at least every 3 years until right. uh, uh you know, as of right now sometimes they play them a couple you know other times depending on where they fall division wise cuz they have right. to play they have to play uh, the same division finisher in either division that they, they're not playing uh, the entire division uh, going forward. It's going to be interesting to see what they do for the 18-game season. So I think that's coming um, maybe yeah. as, soon as, as soon as next year. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see. Yeah, that's an interesting side note um, about the 18-game season. The, um, they're talking about how uh, they you know, may expand to 18 games, but then have a stipulation that <clears throat> players can only play in 16 games. Um, so that'll be uh, that'll be put quite a wrinkle in things. I, I don't see how you could not expand the rosters uh, if you did that, which we've talked about being proponents of expanding the rosters. But back to the Redskins, it's 
it's pretty interesting. You're looking at the all-time uh, series, and basically since the Reds, since the Bears lost to the Redskins in the NFC Divisional Playoff game in 1987, um, and then again, well, so they lost in 86 in the Divisional Playoffs, and they lost in 87, the Bears did. Then we have played them. Um, we've only won three times since then. Uh, against the Redskins, so we don't have a uh, a great record against them really since um, you know the 50s, <laughs> that little bit in the 80s. Obviously, in '84 they beat them in the divisional uh, playoff game, um, in '86 as well, but or '85, excuse me. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been kind of a dismal uh, showing for the Bears against the Redskins. Uh, last time was uh, 2016 when the Bears lost 41 to 21. Um, so they are on a streak of seven consecutive losses versus uh, the Redskins. So we're uh, playing them again this year, obviously at Washington on Monday night, uh, getting a Redskins team that's uh, that's depleted and uh, in some sort of flux of rebuilding. So. Um, you know, Bears have something to prove uh, to get off the schneid versus uh, versus that team. The uh, the Bears played Washington uh, during the regular season in the '85 Super Bowl season. Uh, it was a crazy game in that uh, the the Bears absolutely looked terrible in the first quarter of, of that game. Washington just ran roughshod over the Bears' defense in the first quarter. It was, uh, it was actually kind of, kind of a, uh, a hot game in the end of, uh, end of September in 1985. And uh, Joe Theismann was the quarterback. Riggins was their, their running back. Uh, at one time in the game, the Bears, I think, were being, uh, in terms of total yardage, it was like 140. 45 to 20 or something like that, where Washington just dominated. Washington scored a touchdown in the first quarter. They scored a field goal. I believe it was early in the second quarter. And Willie Galt kicked, uh, took a 99-yard touchdown on the ensuing kickoff after it was 10 to nothing. And uh, that sparked the Bears on that play, the, the Bears, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the Redskins kicker was injured. Well, he was also their punter. So you'll remember this, Double A. Uh, on their next possession, Washington was held to, to a punt. Joe Theismann punts the ball. The ball goes directly off the side of his foot, directly towards the Bears' sidelines. It was a one-yard punt. And the first, the first play from scrimmage, McMahon went back, went jugular, and they scored a, a touchdown. So all of a sudden, after totally being outplayed to the tune of 10 to nothing, it's now 14 to 10. And the Bears rolled off 31 straight points in the second quarter yeah, on their way crazy. to a, a 31 to 10 halftime lead. And then they ended up winning the game 45 to 10. So... There is so much history that we can talk about with the with the Bears and Redskins. It's just it's just fun. But this 1940 championship game, when the Bears they scored uh, on runs, they scored on passes, they scored on they scored two defensive touchdowns. 
during the course of the game. It was just uh, it and from from the opening, obviously the opening kickoff. It was just a total domination by a Bears team that was, uh, let's just say, they were a little bit motivated uh, after losing three weeks prior and being called uh, a first-half team and a bunch of crybabies. And uh, they just turned around and said, okay, guys, we showed up. Where were you? <laughs> so uh, right. uh, hats, off, hats off to George Hallis and Sid Luckman and Osmaski and everybody else on that team that they just had a total dominating effort in 1940 to win that championship. We got to go all the way for what, 30, 47 years to get to our, our next Bears greatest moment. Uh, I actually had the pleasure of being in the stands for this game. So we need to, we kind of need to set this game up a little bit. The Bears had a terrible beginning to the season. This 1977 was the last year of the 14-game season. The week prior, they absolutely got whitewashed, and I mean whitewashed by Houston, down at the old Astrodome. And they're three and five. They're sitting on three and five, and and another year where they won't make the playoffs. They hadn't made the playoffs since 1963 when they when they beat New York. Giants in the championship game. And the first half of this game was no better. They were absolutely embarrassed in the first half. Uh, Bob Thomas missed two field goals, one in the first half, one in the second half. Bob Avellini threw a touchdown, uh, or uh, sorry, an interception in the end zone uh, right before halftime. And it's 17 to nothing at halftime. And the Bears looked every bit the part of, of an also-ran, you know, wait-till-next-year team. And then the second half started. The Bears were, uh, they had, had, like I said, they had a couple of scoring opportunities that went awry. The Bears got the ball. Uh, they're marching down. They're now inside the, the Kansas City 20-yard line. Walter Payton takes the ball. I'm going to play a clip here. This is the actual call on Bears radio with with announcer Joe McConnell. Brad Palmer was the color analyst back in those days, and this is what it sounded like. Trying to run off the block of Robin Earl. Cliff Frazier made the tackle on the play. And let's see where they mark the football. At the Kansas City 22-yard line, Bash, they go back in. And apparently Jack Pardee now is calling most of the plays from the sideline. It's at the 22-yard line. It'll be third down and about a yard. And that, officially or no, puts Peyton over the century mark again. He had different a couple of yards at halftime. Slot to the left, the near left side. Just backfield. Third down and a yard. Avellini with a long count. They give the Peyton a sweep to the right side. He gets the block from Revy Sorry, spins back inside. Ripped by one man. Still on his feet. Struggles away at the 20. Still battling. Takes away at the 15. The challenge. The ball down to the four-yard line. The blocking 
Keeping Brooks down on the right side of the bear line. He cut back. They had him dead to right for the far side. He cut back. He broke broke tackle after tackle and almost made it for a touchdown. Just sensational, as you called it, Joe. Here we go. It was. I tell you what, guys. Um, you know, the ladies and gentlemen that, that are listening, many of you are are weren't alive when Walter Payton ripped off that run. It was his third year in the league. That was Walter Payton's best year as a pro. He had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. But that one play, which ran, I think it went for about 15 yards, was absolutely incredible. He, he broke through at least four tackles. You've all seen it. If you haven't seen it, you can look it up on YouTube. We'll post a link for that run on Halitech Hall on our Twitter feed. But you got to watch it. Jim Brown stood up and took notice and said, "Where this guy is an animal. And he was a Walter Payton fan from, from then on. Absolutely an incredible run. Aaron, I'm, you weren't alive when that happened, I don't think. Uh, I was alive by about five months. Okay, so you were, so, you were in diapers. But, yeah, uh, I was in uh, diapers. I'm, 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 sure, I'm sure that you have seen that play over oh, and sure. over and over again. Oh, sure, yeah, that's uh, that's iconic. Uh, that season is iconic. It's, it's, it's uh, a shame that, you know, kind of going back to our quarterback uh, talk from a couple weeks ago, that Bob Avellini was so bad, you know, um, because you know he had 11 touchdowns and eight or 18 interceptions, and then you got Walter Payton putting up one of the best statistical seasons of anybody ever. Uh, just kind of a star-crossed uh, uh, situation, unfortunately, but gave us, uh, of course, a great a great highlight. Um, and I think we're so lucky too to have um, you know NFL films uh, from those times too. Um, you know. Uh, you look at even highlights from uh, the 80s and 90s basketball don't look as good as highlights from, you know, 60s and 70s football because of NFL films, um, which is something that I think is great. Um, obviously, there was a lot less less games to cover, but, you know, uh, shout out to NFL films and uh, the Sable family and all that for, for giving us this uh, great opportunity to go back and see those things and see them, you know, with nice quality. So, absolutely. The total irony that you just talked about with Bob Avellini was evident in this game. So, get this: Bob Bob Avellini had 11 completions for uh, 23 attempts for 193 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, a quarterback rating of 55. Oh, let's give him credit. It was 55.2. Okay, but uh, so this this touchdown or this run of Walter Payton's set up their first touchdown of the game, and it was actually Walter Payton with a one-yard run uh, that cut the lead from 17 to 7, uh, and that's the way the first or the, the third quarter ended. So it's 17 to 7 going into the fourth quarter. Walter Payton had another one-yard run to cut it to 17 to 14, Jan Stenerud kicked a field goal to make it 20 to 14. Peyton had a 15-yard run to cut the to actually give them the lead. Uh, Bob Thomas, who had missed two field goals previously, got the extra point in, thankfully. 
and made the game 21 to 20 with just over two minutes to play. But the Chiefs went right down the field, and Ed Podolak scored. Paul, uh, if he's not in the Hall of Fame, at least he should be. Ed Podolak scored a 14-yard run, and Kansas City has the lead 27-21. There's less than 40 seconds to go in the game. Bears did have one timeout. Had they kicked the ball deep, um, they, they, it might have been better. I think they had a squib kick. Bears got the ball somewhere around the, the, the 30, 30, 40 yard line of their own. Uh, Greg Latta, on the last play of the game, gets a 37 yard touchdown pass from Bob Avellini. That's your irony right there. <laughs> right. So, as bad, as poor as Avellini was in that game, he ends up throwing an absolute perfect pass to Greg Latta in the left side of the end zone from 37 yards out. They kick the extra point. There's like two or three seconds left in the game. The ball gets squibbed on the kickoff, and the Bears actually recover it to, to end the game. And that still, in my opinion, is the greatest comeback game I have ever seen, uh, whether in person or, or not. Wide to the near side, Deuce backfield, Avellini back to throw on the first count, sets up deep, now throws it long, down the left side, open, he's got it, he's got it, touchdown, touchdown, Lada wide open, makes the catch, incredible, three seconds to go, 37 yard touchdown pass, Avellini to Lada, who was so wide open, I was only worried about a drop of the ball. Just an incredible, incredible game, and that gave the Bears... So a little shot in the arm that they needed. They ended up not losing again. They ended up kicking a field goal in overtime in New York to make it to the playoffs for the first time since 1963, uh, finishing with uh, a nine and 9-5 record. So they rattled off six straight wins at the end of the year to make it to the playoffs, and uh, just an incredible incredible comeback game but that one play is iconic because everybody that's a bears fan has seen that run and just an incredible uh i i, I just get chills talking about that run in that game because it was such an incredible event to be at in person yeah well, it's, it's kind of interesting you know you have the uh, sort of polar uh opposites in career of Avellini and Walter Payton, and they probably both had their best play of their career in that same game. <laughs> you, 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 you might be, you might be right. You might be right. That, that uh, probably is, is definitely, probably definitely. There's a, there's a, I like that. Probably wait, definitely. Wait, I understand that. I wait, feel like. <laughs> way to go, Halitech. My, yeah. We, yeah. Probably, definitely, is one of his greatest plays of of uh, his entire uh, NFL career. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Deal strictly in probable definites on Halitech Hall, so it's it's good. We're, we're going to cover all the emotions on Halitech Hall. That's right. We're, def- we're we are definitively probable in all aspects, so don't worry about it, folks. <laughs> what do you got next? Everybody knows the 1985 Super Bowl Bears, and uh, on this show, it's no exception. Uh, this is probably going to be the, the biggest vote-getter 
on chicagobears.com. It just has to be. If it isn't, that's that's okay because any one of these four plays that the Bears have selected uh, are just qualified uh, without question. But you know, the, the Bears, the, the entire 1985 season was just storybook. I actually have a CD of every single game played that year, uh, or DVD. So uh, it's every once in a while I'll put one in and, and take a look. It's interesting how this season starts to, to lead up to this. The Bears played at home against Tampa to open up the year. And in the first half of that game, the Bears could not stop the Tampa offense at all. And they looked terrible. It was 28-17 to 17 at the end of the first half. And, uh, and Tampa has the ball to open up the, the second half. And suddenly, you know, just like we talked with the Willie Galt uh, touchdown against the uh, Washington that same year, um, second or third play from scrimmage in the second half, uh, Richard Dent deflects a ball, a, a pass thrown to the left flat by, by Doug Williams, and it falls right into the hands of Leslie Frazier, who returns it for a touchdown, and the Bears never look back. Uh, that gave them a they, they, that cut the lead to 28 to 24, and they ended up winning that game, 38 to 28, uh, and that just kind of started the ball rolling. In week two, they played the uh, New England Patriots, and New England they they won that game. New England I think was in Bears territory offensively on the Bears side of the 50 for like less than a minute total time of possession. Uh, and the Bears won that game. They did score. The Patriots did score in the second half. I think the final score was 21, uh, 21 to 7. Then in week three, it's a Thursday night game in Minnesota. And Jim McMahon's sitting out because he he's nursing some injuries. And, and uh, you know, Dicka kept him out of the game. And the Bears absolutely looked terrible. And midway through the third quarter, this is another play that everybody will remember or you have seen one way or another, especially when you're looking at videos about the 85 Super Bowl team or about Walter Payton's career. Jim McMahon comes in midway through the third quarter. He lines up. They're going to run a screen pass. And Minnesota's blitzing on the play, and, and Walter Payton, comes out of nowhere and just tags the, the Vikings linebacker. McMahon almost trips, falls over. He, he regains his balance and lofts a pass down, and Willie Galt catches it for a long touchdown pass. And now it's 17 to 13. And all of a sudden, McMahon is just on fire. I think he, he threw three touchdown passes in that game, and they ended up winning that game going away. And then in week four was the Washington game we talked about earlier, where they were just badly outplayed in the first quarter of the game and turned around a 10 to nothing deficit into a 45 to 10 victory. Then from then on out, it was just balls out for the 1985 Bears. So the only the only setback they had was the, the game down in Miami. And then they rolled through the playoffs, shutting out the Giants 
shutting out the Rams by a combined score of 45 to nothing. They get down to the Super Bowl. They get the opening kickoff in the second or third play from scrimmage. Walter Payton fumbles the ball. New England gets it. And you're thinking, oh, my God, this can't happen. This is a team that was a wild card team. There's no way that this team's going to be able to keep up with the Bears. Bears got a little bit lucky that uh, there were a couple of uh, passes, one that should have been a touchdown, but but it looked like the guy maybe he kind of blinked when, when Mike Singletary was right in his face. Uh, they had a, one of their receivers go out with a knee injury on that same drive. They end up kicking a field goal that Dan Hampton actually got a hand on, but not enough to block it from going through the uprights. And the Bears now are trailing three to nothing. Do you remember who scored the first touchdown of the Super Bowl for the Bears? In 85, I, I'm drawing a blank. It was Matt Suey. Oh. Matt, Matt Suey is the, the Bears' first touchdown in that game. And uh, they just started rolling from there. Uh, is it Eason? Was it Eason that started the, the game as the, the Patriots? Patriots? Yeah, Tony Eason. Yep. And he was just absolutely shell-shocked. And uh, the, the, he didn't know what hit him. But just about everything but a kitchen sink hit him in the first half. Uh, Dent was all over. Uh, Wilbur Marshall, uh, Dan Hampton, you just name them. And they were just absolutely all over the, the Patriots in the first half. I believe the Patriots had negative yards rushing in the first half. They might have had negative yards in total offense in the first half. But the Bears went on to uh, take that game 46 to 10. They were actually leading uh, 23 to 3 at halftime. It was 44 to 3 at the end of the third quarter. And uh, they got a token touchdown in the fourth quarter. The Bears had a safety by Henry Wexter to end the game. But an absolute one of the most dominant performances in Super Bowl history up until that point. I think the uh, later later on the uh, 49ers I think at destroyed Denver like 55 to 10 I think that's the the worst shellacking in Super Bowl history but at the point in time in 1985 that capped off what was the most dominant defensive team in the history of any one year by any team in the league. And I'll put that up against the, the Baltimore Ravens or anybody else you want to talk about. That was absolutely, absolutely an amazing year. Yeah, well, it's funny, too, that I'm look, you know, just looking through this, that, that the, the Patriots actually uh, scored first in that game with a field goal, um, which is kind of wild. You wouldn't expect that. And then another other kind of interesting notes about that game was that the Bears were um, were favored by 10 points, um, and the over-under was 37.5, which is very low. I mean, you think about Super Bowl over-unders now, you know, are typically 50 or more um, nowadays. So interesting that, you know, that it was so low. But, of course, you have, you know um, – the, the greatest defense probably of all time going against uh, Tony Eason. So makes sense that that, that, that over under would be, would be low. Um, 
But yeah, I don't have a lot of uh, I don't have a, a lot of direct memories of that game. I was not even seven years old um, at that time, uh, or, or I was seven going on eight. Um, <laughs> I uh, I remember, of course, the '85 season, but I really remember more of the you know the the Super Bowl shuffle and and all the all the you know uh, publicity and things about the Bears at that time than I do anything about the actual um games uh unfortunately but uh you know i i i will always of course uh and then of course remember after they won and and uh the fanfare around that team and um you know just just the domination um of that game uh the fridge scoring of course and all that the only negative from that game of course is walter payton not getting into the end zone and, right uh, you know there's there's all kinds of stories uh, out there about that. And I know that, that deep down inside coach Ditka's probably biggest regret is not getting Peyton in the end zone. But the way that the game was, was going in, in everything else that was going on, uh, you could maybe even think that, well, the bears will be back. They were such a dominating team, but they never got back to the Super Bowl until 2006. Of course, Walter Payton, not only was he not playing, he was already passed away by then. Here's some dominating numbers for the Super Bowl. The Bears ran off 73 offensive plays. New England, 47. New England had 11 rushes for an average run of 0.64. They only gained seven yards on the ground. Uh, the Bears forced six turnovers. Time of possession, the Bears had the ball for 39 minutes and 15 seconds, only 20 minutes and 45 seconds for the New England Patriots that game. It was just absolutely from the time that, that New England got that gift and scored the field goal on the first possession of the game until, you know, the fourth quarter uh, where the Bears were most, they had a lot of their second stringers in the game so they could say, hey, I got to play in the Super Bowl. Even then, the, uh, the New England Patriots, 36 attempts, only 17 completions for seven, 177 yards, two picks, one, one touchdown, Scored again late in the fourth quarter by Irving Fryer on an eight-yard pass from the replacement quarterback, Steve Grogan. So, yeah, absolutely a dominating, dominating performance. The likes that we uh, would love to see this year in the Super Bowl down in Miami. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of Miami, what a segue, huh? Yeah. 2006, the Bears are in Miami for only their second time ever in the Super Bowl, uh, they had a great year in 2006. Rex Grossman played well. Thomas Jones played well. Uh, you, you had some, you know, a great mix of receivers. Again, the defense carried the team. They destroyed the, the New Orleans Saints in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. Uh, but they're going against. You know who, right? Peyton Manning. He finally gets to his Super Bowl and and opening kickoff. The Bears won the toss. They elected to receive. I don't think deferment was available at that point. 
in 2006, which is a good thing. Could you imagine if the Bears won the toss and deferred? <laughs> yeah. So, so Devin Hester, this is his rookie year. Right. So he scored a touchdown on a punt return his first game against the Packers down up in Green Bay when they, they shut out Green Bay up in up in Lambeau, 26 to nothing. And uh, this is how the Super Bowl started. The Colts, maybe it was a, a blessing losing the coin toss. This game is brought to you in high-definition television. So the Colts will be kicking away, and there he is, Adam Vinatieri, moving over this year as a free agent from the Patriots, leaving them as their all-time score, winning two Super Bowls for them in the end, and having another spectacular postseason. But Devin Hester, the rookie who was so dangerous, who went to college here at Miami, led the NFC in both kickoff returns and punt returns. And the Colts have had a hard time all season covering kicks. It's Hester trying to work it back to the middle. Gets past the first wave, and here he goes. It's Hester inside the 30. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. And no flag, 92 yards. Folks, Devin Hester's 92-yard touchdown to open up the, the Bears Super Bowl in 2006, and you know the Bears defense was was just playing top notch. Unfortunately, um, Daniel Manning uh, on a play in the second, uh, early in the, the late in the first quarter, I believe, uh, he was playing one defense when the other 10 guys were playing a different defense and left a receiver wide open for a touchdown, and that kind of started the slide. Uh, sadly, Cedric Benson got hurt in the game, and then the Bears in the second half absolutely stopped running the ball, thinking they could pass, while the Colts did the exact opposite. They ran the ball down the throats of the Bears' defense in the rain, and that was the difference in the game. They ended up winning the Super Bowl, and Peyton Manning, was awarded MVP when it should have been their their running back tandem that should have been co-MVPs of that game. But uh, Bears haven't been back to the Super Bowl. So those are the four that the Bears have selected. Uh, after we have a message from our sponsor, we're going to talk about what, uh, what Aaron and I think are some of the greatest plays and or games in Bears history. TickSplits.com is only two years old. It's quickly becoming a, a major player in the ticket industry. One of the things that sets TickSplits apart is the fact that they pay, no. you have to pay no service fees when you buy a ticket from TickSplits. The second thing is their, their search engine is one of the fastest of any of the major players. If you're at one of the other sites that, like StubHub or SeatGeek, you have to start typing the name of the venue or the name of the team that you want to see, where with the, the search engine on TickSplits.com, you can find thousands of events with just one or two mouse clicks, not even having to touch your keyboard. So give TickSplits a shot. If you, if you do, 
make sure you enter the promo code tailgate before you enter in your credit card information and you'll save an additional 5%. That's tailgate, it's all caps. And TixBlitz is giving you 5% off all of our tailgate listeners. So whether you're listening to Halitech Hall or you're listening to the tailgate, you get to save 5% on any ticket at TixBlitz.com. TixBlitz.com is going to be giving us two tickets to a regular season game. It's either going to be the game against Detroit or the game against the Vikings. And all you have to do is to be eligible is follow Halitech Hall on, on Twitter. We, if we get to 500 followers, we're going to be giving away a ticket to the regular season game. Between now and uh, the end of July, we're actually going to be awarding a, a tickets to each of the Bears preseason game compliments of TickSplits.com. So go to TickSplits.com today, register for their email uh, that you'll get weekly telling them about uh, current events. And uh, it's the only ticket service that Aaron and I use. That's TickSplits.com, T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z. You'll find more about the ticket giveaways for the two preseason games and the the uh, giveaway for the regular season games on our Twitter site. So give us uh, give us a shot. Tell us what you like about Tick Splits. Tell us what you like about Halitech Hall. Tell us what you like about the Tailgate Show. Uh, please give us your feedback on Twitter at any one of those avenues. We'd love to hear from you. Aaron, we've talked about the four plays that the Bears are asking fans to vote on. Now let's talk about some of our personal favorites. I'll let you go first. Um, well, I, I, I think I've mentioned this before, um, but I, I think it always uh, can be mentioned again. Uh, my uh, One of my favorite memories is uh, one of the uh, few games that I've uh, been to uh, at Soldier Field was at Old Soldier Field. Um, they thought they could get. And Sorry, but... uh, that's all right. It was um, against... Uh, Jacksonville, and this was a game that was made up because it was postponed for uh, September 11th, and so it was supposed to be um, earlier in the season, but it ended up being later in the season that the Bears played Jacksonville, and uh, Keith Trailer ended up return, uh, intercepting a ball and returning it for about 65 yards, um, and Based, you know, seeing Keith Trailer run more than five yards is quite a sight to behold, and uh, seeing him run that many yards was just unbelievable. And and I, I mean, I tell you, the place was just up for grabs when that happened. Um, it was in, uh, you know, <clears throat> kind of cold, and uh, people were throwing their jackets in the air, and. Um, I mean, the old Soldier Field atmosphere was really like a college stadium, you know, because all the all the fans were uh, sort of, you know, bulked together uh, in the stands. Um, and just, you know, just a great moment that Bears won the division. He's going to be going to Honolulu every year for a long time. First down, Jacksonville. They trail 13-0. The screen is intercepted. Big Keith Trailer. Look at him rumble. 40, 50. <laughs> Watch out. The earth is shaking. He's at the 30. He's up. at the 20. He won't give it up. Oh, oh my. 
you know, of course, they end up losing to the Eagles and Donovan McNabb um, the next week um, in the playoffs. Uh, but just a just a great moment and, um, you know, a really fun time. Uh, so, you know, I've been lucky to, to see two uh, division uh, clinching games at Soldier Field, of course, last year and then that game. Do you remember when uh, Chris Berman used to do the halftime highlight shows on Monday on Monday Night Football with ESPN? Yes. And, and absolutely, the, his his quote, uh, well, rumbling, stumbling. Yeah. That just absolutely fits uh, that return by by trailer. It was just uh, amazing to see. I wasn't at that game. I was watching it from home and. Uh, I, I don't think there was anybody not laughing mm-hmm. uh, uh, about that return. It was it was absolutely yeah memorable for sure, absolutely memorable. I'm gonna throw one out yeah, at you, um, and this is actually back to back games in 2001. The the the, uh, the Bears were playing at home in back to back weeks against the San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns Uh, in the first game against San Francisco, the bears are trailing by 15 points in the fourth quarter and they come back and, and they end up tying the game. San Francisco wins the coin toss. And on the first play from scrimmage ball goes off of uh, Terrell Owens hands right into the, the paws of Mike Brown and he takes that interception back for a touchdown. That was uh, that that kind of capped off uh, an incredible game. And you know, obviously they clinched the game, the the seer, the, their playoff bid later on at the Jacksonville game. And then the very next week, the Bears are playing at home against Cleveland. It was a three o'clock game. Uh, I happened to be at this game, and at the two-minute warning. In the fourth quarter, the Bears are down 21 to seven and played every bit part of a team that should have been down by two touchdowns. They were absolutely miserable. They end up scoring a touchdown with under a minute to play. They get an onside kick. They score on a hail mary as time expires, and they actually get the the coin toss and have the ball first in overtime, but can't do anything with it. So they punt the ball away. Cleveland gets the ball, and Mike Brown's magic happens again. A ball gets deflected by, I think it was Brian Robinson. Balls go right into Mike Brown's hands, and he goes around right end for a touchdown, runs through the end zone or right into the tunnel, game over. So those those two back-to-back overtime games were just just iconic in in bears history do you remember those yeah yeah i i have a vague recollection of those <laughs> for sure um <laughs> that was a great that was a great season i mean you know it kind of lost in the um in the seasons of lore but yeah um you know that that uh you know just kind of the 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 defense doing their thing and there were just a, a lot of great moments um in those seasons, uh, basically from 01 to, to 06, 
um, just exciting, exciting plays. I mean, the Bears were exciting, um, you know, not always on offense, but uh, the defense, the defense just so, you know, so many playmakers, um, so much, so many game changing plays, you know, uh, you just had, you know, between Tillman and, and Vasher and um, Erlacher and, you know, these great guys. And the other one that I was going to bring up was, um, 2004, uh, it was Levy Smith's first game against the Packers, um, and it's at Lambeau, and uh, Erlacher forces a fumble, and Mike Brown returns the, the, the ball 95 yards for a touchdown, um, and, you know, it was the first time the Bears had beaten the Packers, and I think three or four seasons and Lovey Smith had come out and said, you know, it was so important that it was, you know, job number one to beat the Packers. And uh, they ended up, you know, going up there and beating Brett Favre, um, you know, just, uh, just exciting. And, you know, kind of epitomizes that era of, of that, of Bears football where, you know, you just never knew when the defense was going to uh, do something that would just change the game. Um, and so that that's my other uh, memorable moment would be that one. There's so many games that the Bears and the Green Bay Packers have, have played that are iconic. Uh, you go back to, this is well before you were alive, Double A, but I was 11 years old. The Bears are playing up in Green Bay. Gail Sarris is this is right before Gail Sarris had his critical knee injury against the 49ers a week or so later. He runs for 205 yards against Green Bay, but the play that actually wins the game is right before the end of the game. The, the Packers were forced to punt. The Bears called for a fair catch, and they brought out the field goal team in kickoff formation. And it was like, what the hell is going on? I'm 11 years old. I've never seen this, never heard of it before, but it's called a direct free kick. Mac Percival was the kicker at the time. He nails a they give him credit for a field goal, and the Bears ended up beating Green Bay uh, up in up in Green Bay in 1968. At the end of 1968, the Bears all they had to do was beat Green Bay uh, at home. They ended up losing 28 to 27, and that gave the division to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, in 1980. The Bears open the season in Green Bay, and they're tied at six in overtime. Chester Markle lines up for a field goal, and the Bears block it. The ball lands right at Chester Markle's hands. He runs around left end for a touchdown, and they win the game 12-6, to and Chester Markle doesn't even remember it because he was high on cocaine at the time. <laughs> true story. Absolutely yeah. true, true story for us, so don't bash me, guys. That's a true story. Um but one of my all-time favorite, and again, I was I was at this game as well, was the game later in the year against Green Bay in Chicago. And it was a game in December, December 7th, 1980. And it was actually kind of warm. It was in the 50s for this game. And it was a little bit damp on the field. And the game was scoreless at the end of the first quarter. But by the end of the first half, the Bears were up 28-7. to Walter Payton had a one-yard run, a three-yard run. Roland Harper had a one-yard run. Brian Bashnig got a four-yard touchdown pass from Vince Evans. And the only Packer touchdown was a 15-yard pass from Lynn Dickey to James Lofton. 
But then in the second half, Robin Earl had a nine-yard pass from Vince Evans. Ricky Watts had a 53-yard pass from Vince Evans. Walter Payton, a 14-yard touchdown run. Lenny Walterscheid had a 36-yard touchdown interception return. And Willie McKenland, Mick Clendon, had a one-yard touchdown run in the the most lopsided game in the history of the Bears-Packers rivalry. The Bears won 61-7. to Walter Payton on the day had 130 yards rushing on 22 carries, another 17 yards on passing, scored the, the touchdowns we mentioned, so three overall. Vince Evans only threw the ball 22 times, but 18 completions for 316 yards and three touchdowns and a quarterback passer rating of 158.3. So that was uh, an absolute incredible game that's one of my all-time favorites. And then last but not least, do you have any more you want to talk about, Aaron? No, I mean, I, I, other than that, I would say the game last year that we were at um, has to be up there. I mean, what a, what a moment. We've talked about it, but, you know, um, and I was talking about uh, on, on the tailgate show, I think that I'm, I'm really excited um, because of that game and because of some of the late um, – late in the season games where the bears crowd uh, kind of became something. Um, and, you know, I was talking about, you know, how I'm excited this season because I feel like the bears are going to have a real home field advantage. That's not weather related um, for the first time. And, you know, and you and I have talked about this, but I just, you know, we, we talked about how loud it was in the stadium and um, that, you know, I can, close my eyes and just kind of still hear that crowd um, and the bear raid siren and, you know, um, just all of that. And so, you know, kind of piggybacking off of that win over, over the Packers and, and moving into this season, I'm excited to, to hear our fans uh, this year um, because I think that, you know, we're moving into hopefully a new era of, of bears crowd noise and bears excitement. Um, less people sitting on their hands, kind of nervous and more people up and uh, full throat as they say. Um, and uh, we have a real home field advantage uh, in terms of crowd. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, you know, the bears to win a division, uh, you know, game that we were at, it just, you know, I'll never forget that game. You know, just you talking about it gives me chills, Aaron. Um, and we, and here it is. We're almost at the end of the show. We're just now talking about that game. Yeah, we've talked about it. On, you've talked about it on the tailgate show. We've talked about it on previous editions here at the Hall. But uh, it was interesting. You mentioned something. You mentioned the bear raid siren. And I believe that started with the Rams game mm-hmm. a, couple, a couple games prior to that. And there was a lot of talk about how annoying some fans thought it was. And I got to tell you, being at that game, it was so loud just from the fans that you just, it was like completely out of your mind. You didn't even notice that the siren was going off. You heard it more on on radio than actually being there in person. Mm -hmm. So, So you're absolutely right. And I think going into 
the game on Sunday, if, if the Bears, that uh, game on Sunday, if you go into the opening game against the Green Bay here in a few weeks and the Bears come all, away with a win, that's going to just light that, that crowd up and it's going to be just going to be fun. They play two games at home in the first two weeks. In the first four weeks of the season, they got to go to Washington. They got to go to Denver. Then they come back and, and play, I believe it's Minnesota, before they go to Denver or before they go to London to, to play the Raiders. And if they can be 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh going to that Raider game, it's just going to set the, the rest of the season up for some spectacular fun at Soldier Field. So uh, for those of you that are following along, get uh, tell all your friends to start following us on Halitech Hall at Twitter. And uh, we're going to give away a game ticket, two game tickets, to either the Minnesota game or the Detroit game, which is in the first half of the season. And as we gain more followers and as Tick Splits gains more followers, they've already told us that they might even give us at least another ticket for later in the game or later in the season. Uh, and they were thinking about maybe the, the last home game of the year against Kansas City. Wouldn't that be something? that we yeah. can give away here on the on the hall. For so sure. There's one last game that I want to go over that is just an incredible, incredible finish in Bears history. Bears were playing on Thanksgiving back in 1980. This is this the same year of that Green Bay 61-7 crushing. The Bears were, again, this is a lot like that Kansas City game in 1977. They were completely out of the game. They were losing 17-3 to going into the fourth quarter. They scored a touchdown to, to, to cut the lead to 17-10. to Vince Evans runs a four-yard touchdown on the last play of regulation to tie the game, 17-17, to and it heads to overtime. And this is... Uh, this is what happened. We're going to play. We're going to play back the actual live feed from national television. You'll remember Pat Summerall if uh, if you've been around long enough, and uh, and Mr. Madden, Coach Madden, is uh, on the mic as the uh, uh, color man, and this is how it sounded on the first play of overtime on Thanksgiving 1980. Evans with a touchdown that tied it. With no time left on the clock, Murray's kick. Fielded by Williams at the five. Williams breaks out of the pack. Dave Williams to the 30. Touchdown, Chicago, they win it on the kickoff after overtime. His first touchdown this year. And that's that's how that game ended. Um, what little little thing that that happened after the touchdown? All the Bears players ran down to the outside the end zone to congratulate. And Dan Hampton, during the the celebration, ended up getting hit in the the face and cracked a tooth. <laughs> True story. So, folks, that that wraps up our our Bears history show on greatest games and greatest plays in Bears history. We hope you enjoyed it. We are going to be taking a break next week, and we'll be coming back the following week to open up the Bears camp. 
and talk about what's going on at the at the Bears camp starting in two weeks. So thank you for listening in. Aaron, any last words? Uh, just one quick correction that uh, I need to make. We uh, both did it. We switched uh, Tony Eason and Steve Grogan um, for the quarterbacks for the for the Patriots. Uh, it was Steve Grogan that that uh, that played most of the game, and Eason came in uh, as the backup. And I think both of us switched that. Not not, uh, not that it really matters uh, because it was 46 to 10, and who the hell cares who the Patriots quarterback was? But just for you know, um, just for corrections point, we did uh, we did switch those two names. Um, but yeah, no, no, not much else. Uh, just looking forward to, um, you know, uh, the summer here and getting ready for camp. And uh, right now, um, the best, the best thing about what's going on, um, is really that no news is good news. Um, you know, really, uh, you've seen a lot of the players, uh, doing a lot of great work. Um, and, you know, continuing to, uh, to get ready for the season. Um, and there's a lot of good, a lot of good things out there. Um, there's unfortunately a lot of people, um, you know, the making some lazy narratives, but, um, and that's fine. I mean, honestly, like the more, um, kind of negative stuff that comes out about people from people who are writing lazy narratives about the bears. I say the better, um, you know, uh, I think that, um, you know, I, I want this team, uh, thinking that they have the toughest schedule and the toughest road possible and, um, you know, not thinking that anything's easy and I don't think they do and I don't think they will, but, um, you know, people get all in a, a, a twist on Twitter about uh, this person said that this, you know, Bill Barnwell came out and called the Bears the 18th ranked team. And, you know, this, that, and the other, all that crap. That's fine. All of that. Please, please, please sleep on this team. Please doubt this team. Please, please, please tell us more about how the Bears defense is going to regress and Mitch is not the guy because – they are absolutely poised to prove everybody wrong, and it's just going to be all the sweeter when they do it. Um, so, yeah, other than that, you know, um, just uh, another great opportunity to look back at uh, the history of this team, and I thank you for that. Uh, of course, thank uh, TickSplits.com for their continued support, um, and that's another uh, episode of Hal Tech Hall. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>